welcome to another episode of Solo Powered with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business, solo journey to parenthood, single by choice, solo adventures, or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. That last part of that sentence, living life on your terms, led me to our next guest, which is the very, very interesting gentleman, Oliver Durkin. I met Oliver through the world of advertising. He is a veritable ad man, having worked in the ad industry for many, many years. Um, And in my quest to try and find some men to come onto the podcast and talk about their perspective of being a solo powered person. Um, I was drawn to Oliver and I approached him and asked him to come and be a guest on my podcast. He has, as I said, worked in TV, print. He set up his own company called Gorilla Scope. Um, he also works in the world of film, in the world of horses. In fact, there is a little description of him which I found which um, really sums up why I've asked Oliver to come on and talk about his experiences um, and his life to date. So it says here that he is more of a dawn guy than a sunset guy. Graduated from University of Ulster in Ireland in 1991 in English and theatre studies. Wrote poems, wrote prose, took photographs, co-founded UK's first digital TV advertising agency made set-top boxes with wild men who flew in jets, went to Dubai, ran away to the Irish countryside, trains horses, jumps hedges, went to India, made a movie, now thinks and dreams in film. So what an introduction, but Oliver, thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the podcast and tell us a little bit more about all of that because it's fascinating. Um, thank you for inviting me. Um, it's an odd, an odd situation to be under such scrutiny, but it's also quite clarifying, I think. I was thinking about it over the weekend and thinking, um, because I, I obviously I did a little bit of research on you. I think we've both researched each other a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, do I qualify for for this, um, for the whole solo thing? And then I was speaking to a friend and they went, but you're perfect, you do everything solo. And I hadn't thought of myself as that, but I think now that I've entered, you know, or re-entered my motorcycle stage of life, it's a very solo thing, you yeah. know, and I do, I, you know, I like the bike and, and also with the horses, again, it's, it's, it's you're very much alone with your training horses, with you and the horse and, mm. and the communication. Um, but you've given me a broad, a broad question there. Um, I'm not quite sure how to respond to all of that. I didn't, I haven't read that in a while. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, I suppose, is that solo incorporates a life, a way of life, I suppose, right? So it's not about necessarily doing things on your own. It's just doing things on your own terms. It's doing things in a way that you feel you don't need to follow maybe the normative way that you don't need to kind of like do what everybody else is doing, that you are choosing this path because of choices that you're making that make you happier. So, for example, you know, you know, you've, you worked in, in TV and advertising, but you ended up setting up your own solo business. So you're a so, solopreneur in that sense, right? So um, <clears throat> talk to us a bit, just a little bit about your kind of your your life, I suppose, to, to date, you know, well, introduce is, yourself to the listeners. Um, well, I, I live my middle years in London. I'm 53 years old. Um, and I guess what getting older, obviously, is great because you, you, you learn to be authentic to yourself and you learn to know what is you know you can still you can still be 
you know, subject to peer pressure or societal pressure, but more and more, I think, as you get a perspective of, you know, your life approaching its end, you're more demanding on yourself and how you spend your time. Um, it's hard to, su- to summarize my life. I, I grew up in County Longford uh, on a farm. Um, I went to university in Northern Ireland. I t- consciously didn't go to Dublin. Uh, I got into Trinity, but decided not to go because I don't know, I think I had a pre- uh, preconceived concept of what that would produce. So I went up to the North Antrim coast and I guess like everyone else, they're very formative years. They certainly were for us because, you know, you went with the knowledge you had from a small town and those around you to, you know, university where you met lots of different people. It was like, a, it was really a growing up stage, which I think a lot of teenagers have done by 14 now, you know, but, you know, we discovered sex, drugs and rock and roll. And really it was that kind of university experience, which was great. And I also met some of my closest friends for life who were locals there and I'm very much connected to that North Antrim coast. And I love it. I really do. Um, And then, like many economic migrants, I went to London. London's always been kind to me. Um, I got married in London. I have two London children. Well, they're in their 20s now. My son works in energy and my daughter is like myself, but an entrepreneur across many things. Um, she's also recently a mother, so I'm actually a grandfather, which is very exciting and something I didn't anticipate experiencing. Um, and then I worked, yeah, I worked for two years for ITV and television. And uh, with no disrespect to buyers at the time, uh, I'd moved then into selling something very specific, a very specific media product um, that had a very premium audience. And every buyer I spoke to just didn't get it. And I thought these people are not that clever. And I still believe that often the salespeople are a little step ahead of the buyers. Um, I think media salespeople, present company included, are all over the world. They're a very dynamic group of people. I love them. They're great. I'm very lucky to work with media salespeople in every I do a lot of international buying. So I know people, including Kiev in Ukraine, um, you know, so I talk to people on the ground in many countries and they're great. And uh, I met a guy, Dave Yorth, who was a really clever buyer. And I said to him, you're you're the only guy that actually gets what I'm selling. I think there's a whole new wave of media coming. Let's leave our jobs. I had two young children at the time, but we left our, our safe jobs and set up a, a media buying agency, focusing very much on digital TV. And we, um, you know, we, we got into records very quickly. We started selling records, which are a really good thing to work in initially, because what you do one day, you see the next day. You literally would see. So, you know, we bought the media for, we had Judge Jules, uh, Summer Hits, number one, a couple of years running, and we did some exciting stuff. And then I kind of got sidetracked a little in that I was always passionate about digital television, what we now call Serview in Ireland, or Freeview in the UK. And I just had a vision that this would be the future and everyone would have multi-channel. So I set up a company called Novapal, raised some money with some really good and quite exciting investors. And we launched the very first set-top box for a digital terrestrial in the world. And very proud of that. And uh, then we sold that to Daewoo um, a couple of years later. That was quite, exciting, quite a crazy period in my life. I was 
as I say, we had a lot of jets and a lot of parties. And if you were a celebrity, you wouldn't have got away with it, really. We had a wild old time. And Las Vegas, you know, we just did a lot of travel. And I was quite, uh, I suppose, a chaotic and yet formative st- period in my life. And then I came back to Ireland inadvertently. I'd never, certainly never planned um, to come back to this climate. But they tricked me the first summer I came back. It was gorgeous. <laughs> and, uh, I I took a little break for a while um, and I started building a property here, which I'm still building and it evolves every day. And that's very much part of, I guess, my fulfillment in life. I like building things, you know, and there's nothing as fundamental as stonework or putting one block on top of the other. And certainly sometimes my work can be quite abstract. I like to balance it with something. If you do a day's work at this, you see the results of what you've done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I started training horses, which is something that always been in me from my youth. And I spent the last 18 years uh, training young horses and doing a little bit of show jumping and eventing, but primarily starting three, four-year-olds, sitting on them for the first time and turning them into um, happy young horses that find good homes all over the world. Wow. Um, so that's been something that's been a wonderful experience. And so um, you mentioned being married. Um, <clears throat> did you move back to Ireland with your wife? or had... No, no. She, my wife's a very beautiful actress from London. Um, I saw her last week uh, and we were married for 10 years. She was older. She got a talk. I was a 24-year-old. Like, if you think about it, uh, the, people forget that they have Wikipedia, that they can look up anything. You know, I keep saying this to my kids. When I arrived in London, your knowledge was the books in your local library and the people you'd met in your life. That's that was basically the herb of your knowledge. And you didn't have access to any knowledge. You couldn't just look up anything. Mm. Um, and so I've just done a donation to Wikipedia about 10 minutes ago. I, I donate every year. I think it's a life changing thing to have a reasonable fact checked resource of information. To me, it was phenomenal, you know, when 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 the when the internet came and um, I I yeah I met my wife uh, at a party and we very quickly um, you know had children got married bought a house did that whole thing and then um, after ten years we separated amicably we're great friends um, we go to dinner twice a month or once a month if I'm in London with the kids um, she's become you know we're a very good friend and. You know, she's a wonderful, very magnanimous human being. Yeah. Um, so I'm very lucky like that in that my the separation of us, uh, there was no trauma. Yeah. And there was, well, obviously, there's, it's not a walk in the park. <laughs> but there was um, relatively, we didn't sow any real damage in either of each other. And I say she's forgiven me a lot. And, uh, and likewise. And so I think once you have that, fundamental basis you can be it's funny your ex-wife can become one of your best friends and certainly yeah, absolutely someone... that's lovely and you know so you you got married when you were 24 um and then oh, yeah. <clears throat> when you were kind of living this like jet set lifestyle was that during your marriage towards the end <laughs> it was uh well i guess yeah, I guess the age difference became the age difference became a little more apparent funnily um and as the kids got older and i guess a lot of my friends, um, you know, they were still in their 20s and they were still partying and doing the 20 things. And I would basically jumped from being 
a long-haired, I'd, my first book of poetry published in my early 20s and I'd arrived in London, a long-haired poet. And, you know, I was planning to go traveling and suddenly I'd sidestepped into going to dinner parties with people in their 40s and talking about school catchment areas. And, you know, it was um, quite a sidestep. Actually, now in the last year, because um, both of my children uh, have jobs and are doing very well. And my son says things like, I'll get it when we go to lunch. <laughs> and uh, once you reach that stage, you feel a great freedom. You know, yeah. there's no school fees, there's no university fees. They buy their own computers. Suddenly you can, I feel like right now I'm closer in essence to the aspirations, at least of the person who was, that kind of 18 to 24 year old where you, you know you're thinking what am I going to do in life what you know yeah. and I'm sorry I must I might add before uh, before I got into advertising I did uh, do drama therapy and counseling and I worked with homeless people until I was 27 nice. so I did many years in London with the London Irish leftover of the 70s and schizophrenics and I've still been involved in that I was involved in the establishment in the early days of TurnToMe.org, which is the world's largest online mental health resource. Very proud of that. So I've always had a kind of a foot in that camp as well. And it's something I'm actually thinking about now, returning back to doing more yeah. of. Because, yeah. You know, I was quite good at, with, you know, give me a middle-aged schizophrenic paddy in London. I'm very good with this user group, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I loved it. I really Hopefully did there's it. less of them now than there would have been. Well, then. we're a different type of migrant now. <laughs> now we live in Flatten or somewhere and we're a tech migrant, you know? Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. It's very different, very different. Yeah. But th at that time, you really felt, you know, all those guys that didn't go home, you know, it's, it's well documented. I worked in Arlington House quite a bit as well, which is in Victorian Doss House, as they call them, in London or in Camden, which had, you know, 340 small beds and somebody died every day and they were mainly Irish. Um, and, you know, you really felt that whole generation that worked on buildings and, and didn't couldn't go home. They'd become yeah. Londoners effectively and, and home was gone. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we're yeah, very... I, was, I lived in, um, when I lived in London, I lived near Kilburn, which I think, you know, was a real kind of hot, hot pot of, of, of people like that. You could see a lot of the old... The London Irish, I suppose, as you call them, and they kind of go off to make their fortune, maybe don't make their fortune and then live this sort of life of not, not really being able to go back. And um, wow, well, that's amazing. It's it's. I mean, look, and, you know, I, I think what's interesting here is that, you know, we 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 met. Um, uh, if, if you can just move a little bit closer to the microphone as well, just so we can hear. Right. Yeah, perfect. Thanks. Um, yeah, is that we've we've had a few conversations on the phone working from an advertising point of view. And, um, you know, I, I was telling you about my solo travel journey and you've talked about, you know, uh, the kind of desire that you have to kind of get in your camper van, that you've done some travel on your motorbike, that you've kind of, you know, we'll get into sort of the India and the filmmaking and all that kind of thing. But I think, you know, what you sort of described is that you've, you've already lived uh, several lives, it sounds, in that, right? From being a, a, a theatre studies student and a poet, you know, kind of finding finding sex, drugs and rock and roll as a teenager, you know, working in the world of, 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 of counselling and homelessness and, you know, being this long-haired poet to then being a sort of a married man and a father and working in advertising. I mean, that's <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> it's like a very, very lot different kind of paths that you've so far lived. And I think the person that I've 
come to know through your social media and through chatting on the phone is this other person this other stage of your life which is this kind of what I deem to be this person who is living a, a certain amount of freedom in the sense that as far as I can see that you have a lovely relationship with your children with your grandchild you don't seem to have any sort of ties as it were you are kind of like you know doing building and horses and kind of like figuring out things that you want to do going on solo travel trips which I see you doing across your social media and I think that's the that's that's why I thought you'd be a, a great person to have on the pop podcast because it's interesting to have a perspective of a man who's older who's in his 50s who's a solo and and like we can talk about your relationships because I think that's important as well I think it's important have after having Dr Peter McGraw on the podcast that we don't look at society as being this one way of doing things that you know you it's great for you that you had the experience of being married you had a wonderful relationship with your with your wife but it's also okay to explore several different paths when it comes to kind of relationships and the, the life that we want to lead and I think the more we talk about those kinds of things the more normal it becomes for us to be able to choose whatever paths we want to have. Do you know? Yes. Um. So in in that case, you know, talk to me about your kind of your life now and 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 the the. the... Well, I guess now now I'm in the lucky position where I, I have a pretty established business. So and I've got a few very loyal large clients. Um. So I split my days between media buying but also producing content, TV ads. And so I did, you know, for the, for probably 10 years, I was involved in writing television ads, directing television ads. Yeah. And then one day I looked around and I was working with six different people. I'm, I'm big on learning new skills. So yeah. I like constantly be learning something new. Yeah. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to learn everybody's job here and I often joke I work with these guys still and I remember looking at my friend's camera and all these wires and all of these things and language and new words and and thinking wow that's daunting and now you know I, I live and breathe it so I, I taught myself full movie production you know so everything from sound to video, to editing, to color grading, to the A to Z of creating content in the modern world. And that, I guess, we bring that uh, to our clients and that we've reduced the, the barrier to entry and getting onto television. You know, Gorillascope, both in Ireland and the UK, have put more than 500 brands on TV for the first time. Thanks. So, and, and then some of those brands have grown to be very large brands. Um, so I guess I'm lucky to have that mix of the camera work, but also the buying, which I can do from anywhere. And that gives me flexibility to travel. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't say I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm in an, you know, I, I don't know. I will get onto the relationship bit in a, in a minute, but I am, um, you know, I like the, to be independent and to be able to travel alone. Yeah. And I suppose I've gone through phases of been in, you know, relationships. And then a couple of phases where I've decided to be totally celibate and be single and I did three years before I went to India where I was relatively alone you know mm -hmm. and I just decided now and I look back on that and often think it was a mistake I think I can I think I was affording myself the idea that uh you know an even equilibrium in your emotional life in your day where because relationships can be volatile let's be honest yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
so that, that was a, that was a priority in my life. I wanted peace, and the one way to do that was to be alone. Um, and also it was easier. Obviously, traveling alone is much easier. I've been away. You know, I went to India for nine months and shot my first film almost to prove as a one man band, you know, and I actually had good people helping me, but that I could do all of it. Yeah. And that was a huge learning curve. It was a huge, I've been there a few times before, but in a different capacity as a as a tourist. And this time it was very much as, you know, a filmmaker, but also without any rigorous agenda you know i was exploring things and there was weeks where we went on tangents and i kind of shot you know many different things but also like people i was on a personal journey as well and i learned a hell of a lot um and and as i say made some amazing friends so i guess my life now is that in that position where i'm relatively free i'm relatively financially secure i live in a beautiful place i have created and that's very important to me in that, uh, you know, I like, I mean, Longford wouldn't be high on the, on the tourist route, but we like it like that. I, I joke that it's by invitation only. I love where I live. It's very beautiful. Um, and and it's, you see everything through new eyes on a motorbike. And so in the last couple of years, I've reduced the number of horses dramatically um, because I wanted to be more free. Uh, I always have a couple of foreign young people helping me through the workaway network um so they that means i can travel and somebody will look after and love my dog who needs a lot of attention and look after the horses but uh, this year i decided to reduce my horses i'm down to one horse from you know many horses wow. and, uh, and get more and more into motorcycles i've just done a trip to last week to london and back um via wales and visiting some friends in ludlow um in shropshire and I want to do more and more motorcycle trips. I like discovering Ireland by bike as well. You know, it's really, really, it's a beautiful place. There's some beautiful roads. And when you see it from a bike, it's a different, like suddenly North Cavan, you know, Leitrim, that whole area with twisty roads, it takes on a whole new aspect that you might not necessarily appreciate in a car or want to go there for. But I like that whole Drumlin belt on the bike. It's left turn, right turn. And, uh, I but also I've always had dirt bikes and I'm big into dirt bike uh, as a fitness you know I'm quite into my fitness and I train quite hard but the dirt bike is better than any circuit training you know it's a fun way to uh, stay pretty fit and, and yeah. flexible as you get older I highly recommend if, you, if anyone's got the space I think skip the gym buy yourself a dirt bike and uh, but even you know even just being a, 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 the owner of a motorbike or having horses that in the in and of itself is quite a solo endeavor you know because, yeah. you know it's usually just you on the bike it's not like you know you're buying a, a a car that fits loads of people or you know usually when it's you on the horse and you're essentially taking your life in your hands when you get on a motorbike when you get on a horse but if it, you know obviously with the more experience that you have but it's a very solo experience I think and very I mean I, I guess powerful but also sort of um it's it's a feeling I suppose when you're on a bike on your own that it's just you you and the world is that would that be right yeah I think um I think you feel very connected to your environment yeah you're very present yeah. you're like you're much more conscious even of the, from of the surface of the road for instance yes, yes so i know people talk like we all um i presume you've read eckhart tolly and 
you know, I'm a big fan of Fekker. Well, I think everyone's in that zone is reselling Buddha, but you know, but the idea of just being present and appreciating what's around you, yes, which you know, I work very hard on, and I'm I consider myself quite a present person. Um, the motorbike and uh, now this is okay. Let me start again. There's the idea of I love galloping down to a fence or a hedge on a horse. As I always say, you're very much into present, but that's not to mean I'm an adrenaline junkie that needs that to be present. But I just love that buzz of speed and adrenaline, and sharing it with a horse is one particular thing. Yeah. You know, you if you, you everyone's as brave hunting if you're probably just hunting on the horse you're riding. If you're on a really good horse that knows his job. You can be as brave as hell and gallop down. I've, I've ridden like in Shropshire across giant hedges, you know, on a good horse. I've done some team chasing as well. They're all very much adrenaline sports, but you're very much coupled with something you've built a partnership with. Yeah. And I really love that. As I say, I've started, um, I think, 86 horses since I've come back to Ireland. So I've been sitting on them for the first time. And that, again, actually, just to say... Um, that's what I consider myself best at on this planet. If I was to say what I'm best at doing on planet Earth, I would say starting a young horse. And so that's I'm really pleased. I left London and came back to this environment to really understand that. Because uh, as I said, I was I was, I was going to get out of horses this year and I'd won three year old. And I said, I'm going to sell her without sitting on her. But I didn't. You know, I, I sat in her for the first time a few weeks ago and I just love that buzz and I love that connection. And it's probably a little bit reassuring your ego that you know your job because they don't book me off yeah. you know and they accept me and i i love it i absolutely love it the motorbike's a very different thing um where it's all down to you especially if you're doing if you're mucking around in a dirt bike it's down to your skill and you can grow that skill but you are you're building sign up connections skill like practicing anything the road bike then is just about going and traveling. And I can't describe how much I like When you just put your bag in your bike and you get on the bike and you uh, like you head off and you're heading somewhere, I love it. I just, it's a break because I'm always building here. It's very hard for me to sometimes relax in my own environment because yeah. there's always something to do or there's a horse to be fed or you know something to do. So when you go on the bike, but then I do find myself and I'm far from got a death wish. I hope I live to a, be a ripe old age. But occasionally I just, you do things on a bike that are silly, you know. And then you like the other day I was coming, I got up, up through England and then you more or less turn left across North Wales for about 40 miles. And I just maxed the bike the whole way, you know, didn't meet any police. And, did I, you know, that's about touching 97, 100 miles an hour, 97, just maxing it. The, it's a, it's a, a vintage bike it doesn't go any faster than 100 miles an hour thank god but you know it's very fast on a bike like that and i just did the 40 miles in a zone where i don't think i have a single thought yeah. you're and i find at the end of that ironically you're so rested you're literally just peaceful and rested and you have a silly kind of grin going i got away with it yeah. and, and then and then maybe two days later you chastise yourself you go that was ridiculous like are you crazy and hit a rock and you were dead and you know but at the same time i think i know that my brain needs that occasionally it just yeah. needs that it's not a buzz it's more of a calm you know what i mean it's like yeah. you just 
and and you also you are you are connected to the machine in a in a really strong way whereas with the horse it's a sharing you know and there are times there's many people who've who've ridden down to steep hedges and good horses no you might be looking at it going this i'm shit scared of this but you know the horse is going to do it and it's great you know yeah yeah and the way we just got to stay on whereas with the bike it really is handing over the reins if you excuse the pun to yourself and going okay this is responsive this is you and you've got to you've just got to flow with this but you do concentrate at a level <clears throat> i saw somebody on social media say that somebody driving and eating or driving on the phone are in a more dangerous situation than somebody going fast on a bike and i do agree i thought that's actually true because you know you literally are watching everything you're feeling everything you know i like to lighten my seat so you allow especially in Ireland, we've got quite bumpy roads you can get caught you don't want to be just sitting on, on your bum and you're going to bounce off if you're messing if you're going fast but generally i'm quite it's about seeing the countryside and and, and i'm quite responsible i should say it's um, great i mean you know i've had people like damien brown on the podcast early on who rode solo across the atlantic twice and i had recently gwen wilkinson who handmade her own canoe and um canoed on the inland waterways down through ireland um from locker and right down to kind of kind of county carlo on all of the different inland and it's just really interesting to and i'm, I'm, I'm i have some really um upcoming people who are who are coming on the podcast who cycle on bicycles around the world or who chase the snow around the world and you know are into the world of snowboarding skiing people who solo walk around the world right so I suppose it's just interesting to have you on talking about the, the motorbike aspect or the kind of the horse aspect um and talk about the different kind of perspective that it gives you right because I think we are so collectively all traveling in the same way, be it by car, be it by road, be it by, you know, on the tube in London or whatever, that we stop seeing the world. We stop seeing and appreciating the things that are around us. So, you know, even just what you were saying there about not having that single thought for that, for that, you know, that moment, it was similar, remind me of what sort of Damien Brown said when you're rowing for trying to row, you know, 200 miles or whatever in a day, you're, you can't think of anything else. You're so just in your body. And, you know, I recently trained for an MMA fight and I um was training and and I and I that's what I love about that. I love training with the person in jiu-jitsu and, and training in, in boxing because you're so just in your body. You're so just in present in that moment for that whole hour. You're not thinking about work or what I'm gonna have for dinner or or a problem that you have. You're simply just trying to survive essentially right or or not just survive like live I guess you know it's it's the two things I think that extends okay I've, I've done a fair bit of traveling and yeah. I suppose in my earlier years and at certain points in my life I've traveled as a seeker yeah you know and you're seeing something whether it's knowledge camaraderie romance whatever you know you've been a seeker and now I feel certainly in the last few years very solid where I know that I'm never traveling as a seeker now I, I'm I'm quite happy here yes and and in myself and so and and so it, once I go on a journey it's more about experiencing the places I'm in catching up maybe with friends but it's never with a sense so if I stop on the side of the road you know I'm quite happy there and you look around there for a bit <laughs> yeah. and it's 
it's it's it's it's a nice way but that, i don't think i think it's very difficult to do that when you're young it's hard to do that i think a lot of this stuff comes i mean i'm really happy in the i like getting older i think it's been the best things that ever happened to me i think it's uh you know it's a blessing in many ways because you, you, saying, you have that i, I just I just sorry just to touch on what you just said there because i think it's important what you just said um, you know, I myself like last year when I went traveling, I didn't I didn't leave in seeking or anything. I have a fantastic life here. I love my life here. And and it wasn't like I was sad and I was I was unhappy, so I wanted to go. I wasn't going to try and find something. I was simply going to have new experiences and meet new people. And you know, very grateful and happy that when I finished it, I was so happy to come home and continue on the life that I had, right? But one of the things that struck me when traveling, and I don't think I ever fully appreciated it as much as when I when I was on the road is that it isn't about the destination but it is about the journey and I think like you hear that all of the time and you go yeah 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 whatever the journeys for me between one destination and another was the most enjoyable part of my travel it was like so enjoyable to to get in my car and to see the beauty and see all of the different kind of landscapes unfolding and changing and throughout the seasons the different things that were happening and then you get to wherever you're going and you're there and like that's great but actually the buzz for me was was that the buzz is is sitting at the side of the road as you've sort of described it and being happy with that and not always trying to get somewhere and I think that's a really good sort of metaphor for life because I think we spend a lot of our lives trying to get somewhere trying to get to the next thing and not really appreciating just being at the side of the road or being where we are right I, lived, I lived a huge portion of my early life about waiting for the next meeting yeah. you know as you're setting up your new businesses and or you're in any kind of entrepreneur it's about will you get funding the next meeting oh we've got a meeting with this person a meeting with that person in two weeks and then you kind of make that the focus of your week and oh i mean it took me a very long time to slow that down and to fully recognize it and i think that's what i do advise my children to re and i think they're, they're very very good at this it's just to be right there right now and things will come you know don't be impatient and don't live for the next meeting because you know it just flies by and uh yeah well it's easy these things are often easy said but you know applying them is quite difficult i think it's more once you, i think what and i think you know once you get that not just appreciation for your surroundings but just a sense of inner peace where you're going a self-acceptance and uh you go okay this is good here i wonder what's over that hill we'll have a look as opposed to oh will it be is grass greener you know i think that's how I would describe it yeah absolutely and I think you know I think as you as you before I rudely interrupted you you started talking about kind of getting older and I you know I feel the same way I mean I'm not as old as you yet Oliver <laughs> but I'm already I'm 41 and um <laughs> You know, you, there's so like, oh God, I, I, there's so much peace with being at this age because you just you don't really care about as 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 much about anything anymore, what other people think or whatever. And you know, you're just like live your life on your terms, which is really which is really nice. If you know, if 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 you're lucky enough like me to be single and not have to worry about kids at present, right? That may change. Um, but it's that whole idea of kind of like as we get older, you know, we do become more at at, at peace with ourselves and we're not questioning so many things anymore and um you know sell the 50s to me how's that working out 
Um, I think it's great. I think you, um, there is, enough, I'm going to quote myself here, but anyway, there's a scene I've written in, in, in a script that I have yet to make where there's two guys discussing life and one of them takes out a measuring tape and he says to the other guy, how long do you want to live for? And the guy says, I'm not greedy. Let's say 78 years. <laughs> okay, in this day and age, not greedy aspiration. So let's just say that's me. And you pull out the measuring tape, 78 centimeters. And you go, okay, I'm 53. That's there. You've just got this little piece left on that tape. And I think when I wrote that, and it was an old man that said it to me. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's the best metaphor, the best visual, the most grounding thing that's ever happened to me. And it, it really let me allowed me to let go of the past. So many things. And I'm, you know, very free of my past. You know, I just let it go and go, OK, I've got this bit. I'm in my 50s. I'm still in relatively. I'm actually faster and stronger than I've ever been in my life. Just saying, um, which is interesting. You know, so I trained with my son in London last week in the gym. And, you know, in every single movement, I'm stronger than I've ever been in my life. So that's nice, and I'm relatively injury-free. Um, and so to me, it's a period where you really, you've accepted you're, that you're not going to live forever, yeah. and you live with that perspective. Whereas I always use the metaphor of your mobile phone, like I'm running around, I feel like I'm going at a festival and I have 20% battery left. Yeah. So I'm going to be kind of cautious in what I use it on. Yeah. But if you're 18, You've got ninety. Your, your percent, even if you have, if you've only got eighty percent, your perception is you've ninety eight percent battery left. Yeah. You know, and you can browse on 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 TikTok and ring who you like because you got lots of battery. So I'm, I see it like that and go, okay, I'm going to be very cautious on what I invest in, who I invest in, what I allocate my time to, and that filtering, I think, immediately enhances your existence. Yeah. But also, if you're in good health. I'm also very conscious that there are things I want to do and I have a bucket list and I'm doing them. And there's no point in waiting yeah. until I'm in my mid sixties when I may not be as agile. Um, hope I'll still be riding horses, but you know, I, and, and you know, or in your seventies, the stuff that I need to do now that I'm going to intend doing. So for this winter I'm, in December, I'm going to go to the South of Spain and do a sailing course because that's been on my bucket list for ages, right. you know? And I want to learn to sail and I'm going to do some kite surfing. There are two things I've been planning to do. And, you know, life gets in the way and the sailing's been on the list for about 10 years. I have, I've done a little bit, but I haven't really concentrated on, on doing a course and, you know, doing it. So I think there are certain things in your 50s. Hopefully you've got a little bit of flexibility, you know, your little less financial responsibility if your children are older um, and... Yeah, and and, 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 and and a degree of recklessness. Yeah. You know, where you go, well, man, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm doing it. I don't yeah. care, you yeah. know? And I, that's, a, that's a certain freedom. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think to, for me, actually, you know, I would say they're the best period. People say your 40s are, but I think now when, and also I'm very lucky that my children are adults and my friends. So I've got, you know, they are my tribe and my best friends and, I'm working on an app with my daughter for the last two years. So we speak every day in that in those roles. And, you know, she amazes me with the breath of her mind. And um, and I say my son is my counsellor. Uh, he's the wisest person I know. He's 
we're very, very different, but I think we complement each other well in, in, uh, when we consult each other. And um, yeah, I'm very lucky to have that structure. Yeah. Um, and it's have yeah. you seen you should watch the um have you I don't know if you've watched the blue zones uh secrets to living to 100 it's a, a Netflix documentary that recently came out I've touched on it um uh before it's a, a amazing um <clears throat> psychologist and behavioral um who kind of studied uh blue zones around the world he identifies sort of five or six of them within this documentary um, um Okinawa in Japan and Ikira in um Greece and several different places and he studied the people who live to be over 100 there and kind of like looked at what goes into being able to and I think you're living a lot of those qualities now actually I think you'll be nodding your head if you watch this and it's all about kind of you know keeping moving and finding a purpose and you know having things that you kind of uh love to do in in life and um you know appreciating nature and eating healthily and you know uh your nutrition being kind of like consistent and all of those kinds of things which seem obvious um and of course that they are but we live in the in a world that doesn't allow those obvious things to often kind of come to fruition because of the way in which you know we've 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 sort of adapted through capitalism and commercialization and all of those things that we as ad people push so it's an oxymoron in a lot of ways right but super fascinated but you know it reminded me there was a 104 year old man on that episode on that series he was riding horses in um in uh, Costa Rica um and uh yeah and it was it's it was just, you know so lovely to kind of see so I'd, I'd highly recommend uh looking at that but well, I mean, you know, even speaking of, of 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 things that you're talking about there you know it reminded me of my mom my mom is 72 she's 73 this year um and her children are her friends you know we're we're her tribe she's currently in cyprus at the moment with my brother she's been over there for a few few months um and she kind of travels all around but she um you know she's 73 but she plays golf three or four times a week she does yoga she does pilates she has smoothies and you know eats really well every day and she's you know great fun and and i think if you were to pull out her measuring tape you know it, it would definitely go hopefully go on for 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 much longer um because of the way in which you choose to kind of live your life and not worry and she certainly doesn't worry about the past either um so I think that they're all really important and valuable lessons um I mean you talking about kind of like being free and, and doing all of the things that you want to do I mean you know I know when we spoke on the phone you kind of said that you know you, you wouldn't really call yourself a confirmed bachelor that it but that you're you know you have different relationships you're open to welcoming more meaningful relationships like where do you stand on on that um, I guess all my life I've been a serial monogamous to a degree. Yeah. Uh, I, at the minute, I think I would find it hard to totally, I don't, who knows? It's the beauty of, of that whole area, yeah. love, love, romance, is that I think you need to be open to anything yeah. what comes your way. Yeah. Um, I've got, you know, I'm in and out of, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's quite, I feel like um, uh almost almost like a, a little bit shy in in, 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 in in divulging my love life but uh I you know I've got various on off relationships that seem to reoccur yeah I'm very lucky to um I go on what uh, my friend Nina has coined um romancers which is romance and adventures <laughs> and uh I'm I'm very much into like if you have a beautiful weekend or a beautiful week with somebody yeah. then I don't feel a need to strap that down you yeah. know 
or be strapped down, you know? Um, and so... Not unless you want to be. <laughs> well, not unless you want to be, or you meet... Um, but I, or you meet some, you know, I think that's evolving. I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm close to a life partner, uh, but it's, I think it becomes, I think it becomes harder and harder. Also, I'm, you know, I'm quite tough on myself. So I'd say I'm, I'm, you know, I'm quite high maintenance from a relationship point of view. You know, I am in that I have high expectations of everything. Yeah. And so I, I think, for now, for me, I like my sense of freedom. I like getting on a plane and thinking anything can happen when I arrive. Yeah. Me is a spice of life. Yeah. And I don't want to be somewhere texting somebody goodnight. You know, that doesn't, that might sound selfish, but, you know, I've, I've, I've had a series of long-term relationships in my life. At this stage now, I feel, who knows? You know, it'd be lovely to meet somebody um, possibly a gardener. Um, I plan on setting a, because uh, I was, you know, I was heading off to Spain for a bit this winter and I was chatting to a friend who, who lives in full van life. And I was saying, yeah, I'm definitely going to embrace a more nomadic life. And they pointed out to me that, uh, no, I wasn't, that I keep talking about the herb garden I'm planting next season. And, uh, and when I realised that and how I couldn't sell my last horse, I am very grounded here. And I am planting quite a garden. I've planted a lot, quite a few vegetables this year, and I try to get something in every year. But I plan to hopefully grow a lot of my food, excepting meat, um, next year. But also to start a, a you know, a medicinal herb garden. So, um, I think there's an element of me that likes to be footloose and fancy free, but also I like, you know, and I, I realized that after when I got divorced and I'd I paid the mortgage on the property in London, and you know, I walked away entirely and I said to myself, I don't ever want to own property again. Or, you know, I remember once, I don't mind admitting it, but having a really heated argument, you call it a fight over the color of paint. Um, and like to me, that's so absurd, you know, looking, you just think, wow, it was, it can't have been about that. You know, it's just, things are silly. Um, but, you know, now I, and I, I thought I'll never have property again. Yet the first thing I did was, you know, buy a tumble down cottage in, on a small farm and start building. So that, and I'd, do, I'd done a few flat renovations in London before we, we bought the house. So I've been building most of my life. So I do, there is something in me that's quite grounded and likes, there's environment and likes creating environments. Um, but I guess as you get older, you have to dematerialize a little bit. Like I have a lot of toys, but I could let get rid of them all in the morning and have nothing. Yeah. And I think, you realize we're heading you know we're going to end exit naked as we came in naked yeah. so you need to start you know uh, just letting go of stuff that's what i was i realized it was never that material i'd always liked stuff i've always had good a good i've always had good wheels be it cars jeeps whatever you know i've been i'm quite you know standard male like that i like my my, my wheels and 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 boys toys you know and uh and but i don't you know, I don't need to have these things. And in fact, my, myself and my daughter are quite like that. We were both into Land Rovers. We had Land Rovers. We have Land Rovers. Then we're into bikes. She's got a Royal Enfield and I've got a Triumph. And we tend to share the same hobbies. Yeah. But I could have nothing in the morning and be just quite content. And I, I wouldn't say you can do that in your 30s because in some ways, 
you define yourself by your output or your role in life or by your possessions or yeah. you know uh, and I think and also I you know I, I married one of the most beautiful women in the world as a very young man and so to some degree I had the trophy wife you know and I was you know as a 24 year old you know immigrant in London I was going out with this very beautiful aristocratic actress and I thought yeah like it was it was it, it signified power in a certain way um whereas now as you're older you don't need anything to define yourself I think that's the key thing just very luckily uh very very simple yeah. you know and can, my needs are few and I don't need drama craziness things I did need in the past I just want nice and steady and quiet and I can get up and go beautiful hack around here on a horse. There's beautiful lanes yeah. and that stuff. Like I often do say to myself, I do things daily that people go on holidays to do, you know, so I'll ride a dirt bike, I'll ride a horse, go for a hack around the lanes here. You know, I'll, uh, you know, sit outside in beautiful, beautiful environment, nature in terms of nature. And uh, then I might go for a spin on my bike in the evening, you yeah. know, so, um, it's, you're quite it's, an enigma it's funny because the more I'm sort of talking to you like you look you know from from social media and, and the things that you do like a very macho man right if you yeah so you know you are like a macho man and you're kind of you know you're walking around with your top off and you're kind of you know you've got your you're jump, jumping on the bike but sort of like you know he's drunk, jumping on the horse's bareback and you're kind of like on your motorbike and your defender and you have all this kind of going on but then you're a poet and you're a writer and you're a creator and you have this like much much sort of like softer side to you that you don't it doesn't it does it's not toxic masculinity I suppose is what I said you can be a macho man but not be sort of a toxically masculine as well right and I think that's what well, I'm Irish Irish and look at our tradition like I'm very into our you know our, our, our warriors were poets we didn't yeah. have separation of, of 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 poet and warrior you know True. and I'm you know I've Actually, just we've touched on it. I think that there's, you know, our national identity has rapidly ch has changed a lot in my mm. lifetime. And, you know, I feel, you know, I'm very into our mythology. I'm very into our poetic symbolism, yeah. our tree. Um, and I see, no offence to Dublin people, but, like, you know, it's a city I feel quite alienated, uh, no matter when I, where I go there. You know, I, I, I feel that Irishness is very different there. To my perspective of Irishness down here, where to some degree it wasn't affected by the Celtic Tiger, it wasn't affected by, you know, uh, the modern world. You know, we still are still are quite real. And uh, so, no, I, 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 I've always written poetry. I still write poetry. Um, I wrote a couple of novels. Um, and then I guess moving to film was into a team sport. And I didn't really quite realise that till I was in the middle of it. And then I thought, wow, this is not my bag. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I wasn't really a GAA player and I've all done solo stuff. And so now um, I'm back I'm back writing and just I'm, I'm working on a novel again and just writing where it's just me and, well, the metaphorical pen, the keyboard, the, the, Air, the, the iPad or the, the MacBook Air. And so that's more me. I like literature. I studied literature. I, I read, you know, a lot. Um, and so I love words, you know, and I love yeah. uh, I love poetry and, and, and I love reading it and writing it, yeah. which in some degree, you know, when I came back from England, people in this country were talking about, 
the square footage. I have no concept what a thousand, two thousand square foot means. I've no idea. I don't ever want to know this. And they were talking about this language that I thought was so alien and so lost. And they were just honestly, uh, I couldn't understand what, what had happened in a very short period when I'd been away. The country had utterly changed and poetry was gone and people were all about, you know, property and, and square footage and cars. And, and, and I thought it was quite sad. But I realise now, as I travel around the country, there's, there's pockets of amazing things going on in Ireland, you know, and there's some amazing. I've been recently down in Clare quite a bit and there's a whole music scene down there. And there's, you know, I think it's, there's no worries for our Irish heritage. It's really strong. It's in yes. us, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. And I just, I just to I touch on as well, I know, because we're, we're, we're going to wrap up shortly, but just to touch on something that you said earlier, which was, you know, I, I like to go somewhere and not, not know what's going to happen. And, and I don't really want to be sort of texting someone goodnight every night. And I know that made me sound selfish. I think it's it's that last part of that, like I know that maybe sounds selfish, is is a is a trope that we need to kind of change, right? Because like we don't have to apologize for not wanting to necessarily be in a committed monogamous relationship. We don't have to apologize for that. Like I think we're so brainwashed. No, no, but I mean it's not just you. Like I see, I hear it all the time, right? I I I feel that sometimes when I'm talking about being single woman, when I'm talking about the fear that I have to always add a caveat of well I mean you know this isn't that this isn't like a me versus like married people thing you know like everybody has their own thing like it's okay but it's just the way in which society is set up and what we're sort of taught from the fairy tales from the books and when we're children that you know you you have to you're not going to be complete until you meet another person it's every movie it's every Hollywood kind of uh, narrative it's every song that's out there it's like you are not complete if unless you're with another person and I think like that's not true <laughs> actually um, and I think, you know, it's OK to sort of say, yeah, I don't want to text someone goodnight every night. That's all, that's that, that's all right, because you have you can have different relationships that mean different things to people at different times and they each serve their purpose. And as you sort of said, you know, having a wonderful week with someone could be a magical relationship in and of itself in that one week and it's not to say that it that wasn't something spectacular because it didn't last forever it lasts forever in that time period with which it it exists and I think that's just you know it's it's a different way of looking at relationships it's in a, in a way it's a healthier way of looking at relationships because you know as you said fighting over the paint color was fighting about the fact that you were two people who probably couldn't agree with thing, on something and also had different ideas about what you liked and what you wanted. That's what you were arguing about. It wasn't necessarily the paint color. And I think when you identify that in someone that you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with and you realize that actually we were, maybe we're not on the same page, you can have that argument because it's a terrifying position to find yourself in. And I just think that like, it may be healthier if we start creating a conversation and creating a society in which relationships are not correct or incorrect. They are simply what they are. I, I, sorry to interrupt you, but I think for me, it's, a, it's, it's I come to this from a different perspective in that I think you've got to be, you've got to, as you get more self-knowledge and more self-awareness, You've got to be responsible. You have to be responsible for yourself. And, you know, we've all caused pain in the past. We've caused heartache. We've, you know, 
not been our best selves in certain relationships. But in every relationship, you've learned something, hopefully. And I think, you know, a lot of all of my exes, I'm more or less in contact or, you know, if an amic bigger Me too. However, you know, you have to say, who am I? You know, and be responsible for that. And I know I'm ahead of a weekend. Whether I'm a good term, a long term partner, I don't think so. You know, not so sure about that. And so I, it's more because sometimes I think, you know, I, you know, I. Yeah, there are reasons, personal reasons, maybe, and, and in, in the best sense of the word, selfish reasons where I want to live the certain life I'm living right now. But also, I know maybe, you know, maybe I'm not the best. I'm 53. I'm single. I think statistically, you must also acknowledge your own statistics and go, well, it looks like I certainly am not good at long term, everlasting relationships um, uh, because I'm here right now and this is where I'm at. And I'm not, you know, and, so, and there's, there's pros and cons. Some days I think this would be a lovely thing to, you know, and I think very much when I was younger, that's how my brain was engineered to be. I wanted to be a paterfamilias with a load of grandchildren running around at the head of the table. You know, and, and, and that was what I aspired to, because that was, I guess, inculcated in your brain from a very young age. But now I think, well, actually, uh, and I find this easier with younger, uh, you know, women that they're not they're not asking that from me. You know, they're not seeing me as a baby dad or someone long term. We both are quite clear that we're having a laugh and then we bring the best to the party. I think that's a really nice thing as opposed to going, you know, I don't know. I've said forever a couple of times in my life, you know. And it is. It wasn't forever, you know. Uh, and once in, in wrapped up in a vow of marriage, which you know I would never do again because that was, you know, effectively. I think you break that vow, you break it, and then you can't say it again. Is my personal opinion. So it's really about being responsible and going. Oh, what is the best me? And the best me is short term. Yeah. You know, it is. And uh, and therefore, if I'm to be responsible, I'm not going to say this. Sometimes I feel, yeah, I would like more, but I have to say to myself, this is not going to end well and that can be hard on you as well as somebody else but ultimately it's showing a degree of responsibility and recognizing who you are and what you're best at yeah you know yeah exactly no exactly I, I you know I recognize I'm my best on my own I'm not great in a relationship I know that right so um you know and, and again but that's that's maybe it's just been a case of the people that I've been with at that particular time weren't the right person for me and who I was at that particular time right and I think you know we are ever evolving beings and we're ever evolving creatures and as we we we, we get older and as we change and evolve we become different versions of ourselves and so a future version of myself might meet someone at a future version of their self and we might yeah. just be you know in the right place at the right time to 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 be in that relationship and I and I say that for you as well right but equally it doesn't necessarily mean that that then that then that relationship has to last forever because I just you know I think as I say friendships friendships last for a certain amount of time every single person that we meet in this life are only in our lives for a certain amount of time you know even our parents you know eventually pass away and 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 die my my beautiful dog molly who i love so much and i know that is she's going to die probably before me but i would agree with you i say to my dog every i'm going to interrupt you now and i say to my dog every day that i never assume that that i'll see him out you yeah. know i think that's that's 
I think that that's just a personal one. I look at him, and you know, I'm very. I've always been a dog. I've always had a lot of dogs, yeah. but I've got one dog left. Um, and I say to him, I'm never assuming that I'm going to bury you, buddy. You know, yeah. never. Yeah. So I think that that in is that in itself gives a certain freedom. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, Molly's five, and you know, she, I the last dog I had was she was fifteen. You know, I think that the, the dogs have a lifespan, and you're thinking, oh God, but at the same time. I know I'm going to be massively grieving her loss at some point, you know, but that's if I don't die before her and fingers crossed I don't. But if I do, I will have to grieve her loss. But it's not like I knew that getting a dog and it's like you make a choice. Am I going to love anyway? Am I going to love this this creature, even though I know it's going to end in tragedy, even though I know it's going to end in immense loss and sadness? I'm still entering into this relationship with this creature because it's something that I know will give me immense joy and I will have immense love from and so I think you know that's the same attitude that we need to go into relationships with not thinking this is going to last forever this is never going to die but that this could and yet I'm still going into it with my eyes right open because the benefits of it are going to be greater than the the than the loss you know well it's part of it. it's just a journey together for a period and and I think trying to be bring the best you can to that party is 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 the the correct aspiration as opposed yeah. to to say it's easier said with the with the benefit of age. Yeah, and they're very young and very passionate. Well, I think we'll on that note we should wrap this conversation up, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. It's been really interesting to kind of go from from. London from you know poetry to filmmaking to motorbikes to cars to um to horses to love and to kind of like explore all of that with you Oliver I really appreciate I know this was taking you slightly out of your comfort zone for a man who drives 100 miles an hour down the motorways on a bicycle on a a motorbike I'm sure it's not that much of a a comfort zone shift but I do appreciate you uh, taking the time and kind of agreeing to come on the the podcast and having this conversation with me it's interesting when before we pressed record you said I don't know if I if I am a solo but yes yet you wrapped up the entire thing there by talking about how you were a solo person and you realized halfway through the film that it was a team sport and how you went back to you know loving solo endeavors so i think certainly from my perspective anyway you do epitomize and represent a strong cohort of what i think the solo life is all about and you represent it very well ariana thank you very much it's been a really really interesting experience and uh, i'm very grateful and it's been lovely chatting to you thank you thank you so much Thank you.